You're listening to the Roll for Crit podcast. Very excited to have you this week as we gather together to discuss tabletop games from the future, the present, and the past, all three time periods. My name is Jonathan Estes. I'm Will Keeler, and this is our podcast recording after PAX Unplug, which we will talk, I think, a little bit more later. But for now, we've got some other fun stuff for you. Yeah, if you're wondering why my voice might sound a little bit strained, I think that's why. <laughs> oh, I thought it was for the uh, ritual you performed for Cthulhu last that's night. That's a different thing. You know that happens on Tuesdays. That didn't oh, happen last night. of course. Night. Yeah, get your calendar straight. Uh, before we start the show, of course, we have to check in on the adventures of our podcast mascot in his Dungeons & Dragons realm. His name, of course, is Roland F. Criterion. He's an Asimar bard, second level, and he's got all kinds of adventures to contend with. Last week, he narrowly escaped from a a band of cannibals, but not before he made himself a tasty sandwich. I think we determined it wasn't human meat. Oh, yeah. No, he rolled very well. He was he knows his meats. (laughs) Yes. So thankfully that that didn't occur. Now. He is making his way on to bigger and better things. And after being lost in the wilderness, finally, he's approaching a town in the distance, civilization at last, when a strange merchant comes up, sidles up to our friend Roland and offers him some interesting potions that he has on sale. And I'd like to hear this merchant's voice. (laughs) Stranger, please. I have wares for sale. This potion will make you powerful beyond your imagination. Is that good for you? That's perfect. (laughs) All right. So that's what he says. What's Roland going to do? I don't know. Fortunately, we have help this week. We are going to call upon our guest because joining our party today, she is a chemist. A legit scientist, smarter than either of us are. I don't know about uh, that one. <laughs> <laughs> she's, well, we'll see. She's also, of course, an avid board gamer. Uh, she posts some hilarious content on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We're happy to have her on the show. Danny Standring, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, but I don't know if I could follow up with that uh, that voice impression there. That was pretty good. <laughs> Fortunately, you do not have to do any voices on the show. We'll provide them for you. But what we do need is your input, your advice, your guidance as to what you think poor Roland should do. Should he should he buy this potion? Should he try to figure something out? Should he just attack this merchant? Oh, no. <laughs> what what's what's the play here? We're, we're open to any suggestions. I I. I think you need to take the potion. I'm always an advocate of gathering and looting things. So that potion (laughs) seems right up my alley. Now, when you say take, do you mean buy it or steal it? It depends on the day. How am I feeling today? A little chaotic? You should probably steal it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. I like this. So, so let's try to get, let's see if Roland can just outright steal this mysterious potion. Uh, I guess that's gotta be, you know, my favorite, my favorite <laughs> skill in Dungeons and Dragons is sleight of hand. Oh man, it's the this, one I always he, want. He's you, got a plus one used. to it, so all right, here comes yeah. the roll. Will will roll the d twenty. It's the same number as last. Yeah, last week eighteen, so nineteen. Wow. I, I think I think he's able to do it. Unless this is a really a really uh, observant merchant. No, no, Roland uses some kind of a clever distraction and. He says, no, thank you, and is on his way. And then the you know the merchant is like patting his jacket. And he's like, oh, wait a minute. And by the time he turns around, Roland is gone. Anyway, so that was great. 
Roland is <laughs> Roland is, I guess, um, well, this guy seemed like a bad guy, so I think it was okay to steal from him. Sometimes it's okay to steal, kids. Anyway, that was our little intro segment. Thankfully, Roland is doing all right, but we have so much cool stuff to talk about from the actual world of board games, which is what we're gonna have to do right now, starting with the news roundup. News roundup. You know that sound means we're talking about the news. Of course, we are going to talk a lot about PAX Unplugged, the convention we attended. But first, some general news, one big one in particular, a weird one that popped up in the last week. Kickstarter, which is obviously huge in the board game world. Many board games are funded through the crowdfunding platform of Kickstarter. They have announced that they are going to be adopting blockchain technology and infusing that into their website in the future. Not right away. The way it's going to work is they are actually starting a separate organization, a separate company, some kind of a, like a subsidiary of Kickstarter that's going to have its own blockchain crowdfunding technology. And then as time goes on, that's kind of going to have the kinks worked out of it. Kickstarter itself will adopt that tech under the hood. Blockchain technology, for anyone who is not familiar, is how cryptocurrency works. That's sort of the underlying foundation of Bitcoin and all that stuff. And it's essentially, as I understand it, a database that is very secure and has different ways of checking and making sure that everyone's data is uh, under control and there's no confusion as to who owns what or what is transferred where. According to Kickstarter, this is not going to have any real effect on the front end of the site. For the, for the users, everything is going to basically look and feel the same, but it should have more effects under the hood. Uh, what those effects are, I don't know if I know what they are, but we can try to get into it. Now, Danny, I know that uh, you're not a, a blockchain expert. No, not even. And that was going to be my main question is, so what is like the business advantage to doing this? Like, why is, you know, just good old dollar bills not good enough anymore? And again, I am a super noob when it comes to cryptocurrency and blockchain. So when I see something like this, it's intriguing, but I it's also daunting because I have no idea what this means. So... I thought I saved this to Doc a while back, but I found a tweet, someone saying that they actually found out why, and this is apparently dodging laws, more or less. Oh, I, I think there's like rules coming in Europe, which actually will make any crowdfunding site like that to change if they can track it. And if it, if a project fails, like Kickstarter would be liable to pay back people. Is this but a is this somehow, a rumor or is this like a hundred percent? We think that's the reason. I, it's rumored. It's not an okay. official, but like it, it would make sense that kicks if a company. Why is it? Why are they doing it to avoid paying money? Like, <laughs> interesting. Uh, yeah, and apparently, because the blockchain, the way it works, it would be harder to track and can't prove the things as much. I guess or something like that. Uh, which at least to me makes makes sense because unless uh, Kickstarter is planning to release uh, NFT pages, like <laughs> right, like why? Yeah, what is the purpose? I mean, the other the slightly less conspiratorial conspiracy theory that that I have is, you know, it's a blockchain is a, a buzzword right now. It's just a thing that people are talking about. So by 
getting on board with new technology. It's just kind of a publicity thing for they them. They said that was it too for stockholders to be like, look, fancy <laughs> word. Yeah, so so maybe that's part of it. Now, in the announcement, they state a few of the benefits of this. It's quoting from their page. It's easy to reward participation. Um, there is a composability factor. I honestly don't even know what this means. They have some words after that that don't mean much to me. <laughs> and also, efficient participation in governance is another one of the bullet points here. I think they, I don't think they know what the benefit of this is. <laughs> it's all very, it's very weird to me. Uh, I, I know probably as much as as you do, Danny, about anything related to blockchain. So you're, you're not, you're not, you're in good company here with me. <laughs> no, this is I, all weird. And, and, and it's funny because as you were saying, you think it's a publicity thing in my head. I was like, are they just trying to like fit in right now and like generate some sort of news for Kickstarter? Because now <laughs> like having heard you say that, I'm like, oh. I feel like that's totally it. We're just trying to be like cool and in the now again. Well, it worked. We well, got us talking did. about it. <laughs> so I guess yeah. they did it. I remember uh, when they announced uh, this. It's one of, those, one of the fun things when you go on Twitter and no one actually says the initial thing of why everyone's either upset or discussing them. Someone's like, everyone's talking about blockchains and, and NFTs now. Why with board games? <laughs> oh, it's Kickstarter like five or ten minutes later. <laughs> you got to dig. You got to dig. All it. circled back right around. <laughs> It would be interesting, I think, if maybe down the line this leads to Kickstarter accepting cryptocurrency as a form of payment for projects. That and I could see that happening. I don't know, and it would be it, that could be the brave new future that maybe Kickstarter is leading for. This board is games a Dogecoin only project. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what I'm hoping for. You know, I've got millions invested in Dogecoin. It's my life savings is in there. So. <laughs> All for one board game in 2025. <laughs> That's right. The next, the next, the third Gloomhaven is all my Dogecoin is going Crypto Haven. There you go. Could I, I mean, it's just, I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that, if that's where it goes. I mean, there's some like local markets around me that actually accept cryptocurrency, like grocery store stores, like buildings, like real companies that accept cryptocurrency, which is wild yeah. to me to see that on the storefront. And I walk in, I'm like, I'm just here for tomatoes and milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, given that, it almost seems strange that Kickstarter doesn't accept it already. You know, it's such an, it's an only an online platform. So maybe this is them angling towards that. That's the only, that's me struggling to come up with an actual concrete thing that this that could come about from this. But I don't know that you would need to totally redo your the structure of your website with blockchain just to accept cryptocurrency so i don't know who knows what this might do it sounds like probably for most people nothing it, it won't really matter <laughs> and that's why we're discussing it here on the podcast we only talk about the most important uh issues let's move on to pax unplugged which we were all in attendance at Mm -hmm. last weekend we'll talk a little bit about some of our general thoughts and everything about the show but there was one big announcement relating to gloomhaven and frosthaven the giant dungeon crawl board game from cephalo fair specifically that they are going to be releasing their own crowdfunding campaign which i suppose by the time it comes out maybe kickstarter will be on the blockchain front at that point uh that is going to be for miniatures it's called miniatures of gloomhaven and they're going to be offering up 
different miniatures for all of the monsters throughout the original Gloomhaven, its expansion, Frosthaven, and Jaws of the Lion. So a separate box, not included with the games. It's going to be expensive. There's going to be a lot of minis. We don't know exactly all the details yet, but this is exciting for people who have wanted those minis for a long time. Danny, where do you stand on uh, Gloomhaven? And do you have a strong feeling one way or the other between minis and standees in board games? So I actually would like to consider myself an expert in this because I, I feel like every gaming group that plays Gloomhaven, everyone has their own job, like either setup, breakdown, uh, dealing with the monsters, dealing with combat, dealing with effects. In my group, I am the person that deals with the monsters. I'm the one always setting up the standees. I'm the one, you know, dealing out the damage, taking the damage, just managing the overall monster turn. And when I first heard this, I was like, man, that's going to be so cool. And then the more I thought about it in like my little system that I have for setting up the standees, I was like, huh, this might be actually pretty cumbersome. And we have this ongoing joke within our group. It's definitely a New England thing. So I apologize for the like really terrible accent coming up. <laughs> um, the yeah. monsters, like the non-heroic ones, we just call them regulars like you're gonna go order a coffee <laughs> from duncan's and then we the heroic ones we call them extra extras so like when we're calling out you know what monsters we need i was like i need two extra extras one regular and it's like the most ridiculous conversation and last night when i was sitting down thinking about these minis i actually got a set of these minis and they're super cool um there's just one massive one I think I would really like a set for the extra extra. So the heroic guys, because um, even though like the standees, the the regulars are denoted by the white stands and the heroics are the yellow. And I feel like I'm even saying those wrong. I'm so used to calling them by their stupid Dunkin' Donuts coffee <laughs> names that I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're not called that. Um, but for the bigger guys, I think I would really like some miniatures for those just to separate them from the regular ones to give them a little bit more of like, all right, that's a big guy. And then he's going to come and get me. They suck a little bit more and kind of as a reminder that they do extra things. Um, but as far as like a full set, I'm just picturing like my board with like 20 guys out. Like, where am I going to store those? <laughs> where am I going to put them? Yeah. I already look like I'm in a command station trying to set up the board with the, with the baddies. I don't know what I would do with all those minis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, it's really even just on your shelf before you take them out, it's going to start looking like Will's Cthulhu Wars collection. <laughs> it's just like boxes. Yes, boxes. I have extra boxes for that. In fact, uh, while I, we were at PAX, uh, uh, my box of more expansion for the Power Rangers game came in, which has a lot of minis, too, of like minions and stuff. And I recently just had to like, all right, I'm going to rebag and change these things, try to get this all to fit. So I, I on that front, I'd be very worried. Like I almost, uh, this, I'm like, I feel like I need a dedicated shelf for miniatures. For real, yeah. You need a room. You need a room for them. Uh, <laughs> that yeah. said, yeah, I feel depending on how they split this up, the one thing I would really like, and I'm hoping for, is there a separate package just for the summons. Like that was the. Ooh. I feel like there are standees, but the summons in Gloomhaven. I, I can't. I don't think Jaws of Lion. I think Jaws Lion did the same thing. I can't remember now, but they were just sort of magical circles mm -hmm. like i feel there's something like your summon you feel much more like i want to see my rat or <laughs> my hawks you know whatever animal you're able to summon or i guess not always animal 
so I feel like that would be the one I would be willing to go the extra mile for. Yeah. And it'd probably be a little smaller. Yeah, I think both of those I, I hope they do is a, a summons only or a just just the just the extra extras I think would be good. <laughs> uh, I, and yeah, I don't I have I would guess I don't know. I my thinking would be they aren't going to do that <laughs> because it just seems too specific. And I feel like they're going to try to package it in a way that you're going to want to like buy a little bit of everything and maybe you'll just end up buying everything. I don't know. They said they were still experimenting with exactly how they're going to do it. It is Kickstarter. So maybe they'll have more specific. Well, it, it's tiers. crowdfunding. Right. Sorry. They, it's my, they didn't say Kickstarter. Yes. Yeah, so it sounds like they could be going to game found or something else. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, we'll find out about that. Generally speaking, I know Will and I are, standee proponents i i like standees i think that when they're the art is good they can look good on a table i don't really need a mini for every single thing i would agree with you for the most part but i will say at least my copy of gloomhaven i have multiple cardboard standees that half of the side of the art has fallen off <laughs> hmm. yeah no, that's not as good <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether it's because Gloomhaven's a campaign thing, and so I, you know, you keep taking them on and off, and I'm ruining them that way. But I, that is something that has bothered me a little bit. But like I said, I don't know whether it's the game or me <laughs> who's destroying them. <laughs> I would have to agree with the standees. I'm trying to think. There was another game we play, played recently that I felt the same. I think it's Mansions of Madness, where there's standees mm. and there's some minis, and I prefer the standees because I like the art. I like looking at them and. Honestly, I think it's easier to read, especially if there's text on the ground or if there's ground effects. I, I just feel like it's a little bit easier to navigate what's going on on the map with those. The, yeah. Well, the biggest thing for me, this is much more, um, I think, a Kickstarter kind of thing, is when they offer both because just I think it opens the door for more people to be like, I don't need to spend three times the price. Like the minis are nice, but <laughs> being able to actually play the game with colorful standees instead that like maybe even half the price or something is very nice. And, you know, especially if you're not someone who paints all your stuff. Yeah. I think that's the big difference is that if you're somebody who paints their minis, then you're like, okay, obviously I'm going all in. Cause then you get both sides of it. It's will be thematic and easy to read, but as a non painter, <laughs> I'm not as into that. I always think of dead of winter as being uh, a game that stands out in my mind as having a ton of standees that look really good. And I, have no desire for them to be minis I'm, I'm happy with all the different zombies and stuff that they have in that game uh, but that's not the way that the industry is trending these days people people like 3d plastic <laughs> so we, we need to bling out our games <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it seems that way so we'll see miniatures of gloomhaven launching somewhere sometime next year uh presumably after frosthaven has been released but that's also still up in the air now, as I said, PAX Unplugged, big deal, big deal, big, fun, exciting convention. Their first return to Philadelphia. They were not around last year because of the pandemic. Everybody there was masked and vaccinated, which is always very encouraging, unlike uh, Gen Con this year, which did not require vaccinations necessarily. And there was a lot of stuff to see and do there. We did a lot of things. We'll talk about maybe some of the games we actually played in the table talk section later on. But Danny, I'm curious, was this your first time at PAX Unplugged? Had you been before? And what was your overall impressions of the show? 
Yeah, so this was actually my second time. We went the first year PAX Unplugged was a thing in 2017. Mm. It was so much smaller when we went. Um, And it was funny. We were driving down. I was like, what did we play the first time we went? And I just like vaguely remember playing like hero realms for like three days straight. Um, (laughs) My experience then very different from my experience now. Um, This time around, this was probably one of the best conventions I've ever been to. And I'm like a lifelong PAX Easter. We go every year. Um, Back in my video gaming days, we would always go and see like the big AAA announcements. And it was always like fun. But there was like an air about this convention where people just felt so excited to play a game like everywhere i went like people were hype on buying games and it was it was a ton of fun and i left there sunday feeling really good about my experience over the weekend i saw so many games i met so many cool people and i i i really have not one bad bad thing to say about the weekend i was i was very impressed with the overall experience yeah, I don't think I have any complaints. It's interesting you mentioned the the size discrepancy because, yeah, we, we were also there that first year and it was, I mean, it was, there were like 18 people there, I think. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was little. <laughs> and it did get bigger in subsequent years. And I didn't think that this year, I, I heard different things from from different people who were there. I saw some people saying they thought it did feel significantly smaller than the 2019 show to my mind it it didn't feel that different I I felt like the attendance levels were roughly the same it was not overwhelming but uh, there was a healthy number of people there were tons of people playing games at all those tables Mm -hmm. all the time Uh, Will what do you think about the that level of it from this time to last to the 2019 or before one of the things I like is that I think because it's near the end of the year well i mean we just talked about the gloomhaven announcement it doesn't feel nearly as much of like when we go to gen con i feel like there's so much like we need to stay on top of there's all this important things that's going to happen in a regular year you know we're waiting for fantasy flight to drop their random announcement usually in mid-saturday when this feels like we can focus more on like the community and gaming like meeting people and such yeah, yeah. For the sake of meeting people, I mean. <laughs> yeah, it does. It definitely feels like I, the PAX Unplugged is a little bit more laid back. The there's not as much. Oh man, the new hotness, so hype. Got to get to that booth and stand totally. in a line for an hour <laughs> to try to play something. Uh, instead, it's go to the games library and like you know just pray that the thing you're trying to play <laughs> is the copy is there. No one's taking it out at that time. I there's there's panels. I never do any panels at Gen Con. There's, we're just like too busy. There's no time. We did a few different panels this year, including the Frosthaven one. You ever do any of those panels, Danny? I don't. So I am not a panel person. I don't know why. I like, I think I'm just too like my ADD kicks in and I just want to see everything. I want to touch everything. Like I'm excited <laughs> to go sit down. But this year I actually um, did a learn and play and then I taught a learn and play too. So I'm starting to like, this was my first time like coexisting with a a panel and like things outside of the main floor. And I'm, I think I felt the allure of it. I was like, I think I want to do this again and not just come for the show floor. Like I want to like, you know, find those little niche things that I like to see and you know, like dig into it. So it was, it, this was like a big learning experience for me. So it wasn't just me as like a novice board gamer. It was like me as like a hobbyist going into it. I'm like, this is, this feels cool. And I brought my kid too. So she was like eyes wide open, like, 
oh this is really cool like this is this is what you you guys do you nerds like i think i'm in on this now (laughs) how old is she she's 13 so okay she's always played board games with us but never like you know actively pursuing it like if we knock on our dorm like hey you want to come play quacks with us she'll be like okay but she's now inquiring about games and like we taught her how to play deck builders this weekend she's like this is really cool she's like can i learn how to play magic i'm like you're crazy if that's the first thing you want to do but sure (laughs) (laughs) yes yes join magic the gathering (laughs) come hither child i got you (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah dangerous road to go down but that's cool that's that's really exciting uh and yeah i i definitely feel that I, I think you should host a panel next year what's your what, what would your panel be if you if you were going to give an hour-long presentation on something oh, what would your blockchain right be? yeah i <laughs> sign me up expert in this i am up there a whole presentation give me a laser pointer and everything i got you an hour-long panel i don't i'm one of those people that could talk forever like and just segue from topic to topic so i think i could go into a panel and like the title would be like unknown and we would just go with it. We would just ride <laughs> there to the go. sunset. Mystery panel. Open up the box and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting thing because I feel like video game and movie st- conventions, those have like established panels. And usually they also have a, a plus because they could have like an actor show up or something. Mm-hmm. Board games don't have as much of a celebrity thing. So sometimes it's like, what is this panel? Who's talking and why? Uh, but uh, I, I like that they're pushing them and I, I think it's an interesting avenue to go down there's some cool discussions that can be had there uh any other uh either either one of you like specific maybe a cool really cool booth that was on the floor or something or maybe just how about local food oh, <laughs> that was, that God, was worth talking about food. <laughs> i i maybe this is what my panel should be about food um <laughs> when we we went to that little you know market across the street that big, yeah big yeah market and i went and got a gyro or hero as people call it I, i'm <laughs> i go back and forth um yeah, yeah i love gyros and this sandwich almost brought me to tears it was so good <laughs> like, it's all i could think about but let me tell you eating a gyro and then putting a mask on for the day is the worst decision I've ever made because <laughs> it was so onion and garlicky. I no, I'm glad I did have a mask because I would have offended people with my breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that is a benefit of masks. That is true. Yeah. I love that market across the street is just incredible. It's got every kind of food you could imagine. Uh, it's really a great location. Even we had to deal with the issue of, parking at the right side of the convention center which because there's like one entrance really to get to pax unplugged or maybe two <laughs> and there's a building that takes up four blocks so at least at least twice uh we end up ended up like walking right instead of left and going for a 10 minute walk around the building instead of just right to the door but that's okay it's it's good exercise because we did spend a lot of the convention just sitting down that's and true. playing games <laughs> uh, and uh, my my other weak spot at these conventions i think will's will's a little better at it than i am uh you know trying to see people that maybe we've talked to online before and meet up with them and hang out with them especially with masks on i like can't tell who anybody is and i don't notice anyone (laughs) it's brutal i felt so bad because i feel like i have like a lot of good online relationships with people i love chatting with people like i'm always in comments having good discussions and when 
I get approached or if I'm approaching someone, they're like, hey, we we chatted last night. And I'm like, oh, God, we did. And immediately, like, again, I'm glad I have a mask on because I'll go beat red. And I'm like embarrassed. <laughs> I, was like, I am so sorry. But I did see a fantastic idea. So Tim from Thunderworks had his mm. profile picture on a pin on his lanyard. And fortunately, I'd met Tim before, so I, I knew who he was, but I'm like, that is genius. And I think we all need to have like a name tag or a pin with a profile picture and our like handles. So we'd be like, oh, that's you. And and I'd be good <laughs> to go. And that's I think that's what was great about Gen Con because our names were on all the badges. So I could kind of snipe out a name before I started talking to someone. I'm like, okay, I do know the other person. Yeah. Yeah. The big thing, Jonathan, I'm not better than you. I was just like, this This packs, I was like, I want to see people. I want to say hi to them. We've been having this podcast and having guests on. For once, I want to meet them in person. So I was just like trying to do that, extra, like focus harder. Like, I think I see them. The problem is though, then I'm like, they're doing something. I'm like, I don't want to interrupt them. So I'll stand there looking at them a little bit. I'm like, now I'm being weird and I feel like I need to walk away. Yeah. Speed yeah, stars. that happens a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, you got to really turn your, your homing lasers on. Yeah. It's so much easier with names on the badges. <laughs> I do wish there were names sometimes. Uh, it's also nice when people are in a booth so like they work for that booth that helps narrow it down a little bit. <laughs> there, there's a struggle to be had all around. But yeah, we had a lot of fun. I think we spent a lot of our time just playing games in the games library. Uh, we perused the floor a little bit. I, I bought a few things, nothing too crazy, but a, a couple of things I was excited about. Um, yeah, I got a Cascadia. That was like I, the other big thing. I was like, I need to get that. Everyone's talking about it. I, I, I remember seeing at Gen Con just being like, eh. It's probably fine and good, but I can wait. And then when everyone starts saying, this is amazing, I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you made that purchase. Uh, there's They have the new Unmatched set there, which is pretty cool and exciting. Uh, in terms of games we didn't actually get to play, but like stuff we saw, it, I, we're going to have videos for them on our Roll for Crit YouTube channel, but a Jurassic World the legacy of Isla Nublar was probably, to me, that was the most exciting new hotness thing at the show. And I think the coolest booth as well to complement it. But it, we didn't get to play it, but man, it looks, we yeah. sat down and touched it and looked at it. <laughs> it Actually really being able cool. to see it, that was also pretty big in terms of an announcement. It, like, it wasn't new. We knew of the, the legacy game, but still it, very exciting in particular, just it's a, you know, it's Jurassic Park, one of my favorite the things of all time. And I, I, I feel legacies do better when they're built from the ground up. So I'm happy that this is like a, its own game built yeah. with legacy in mind. Yeah, it does seem to be definitely influenced at least a little bit, I would say, by pandemic legacy in terms of its structure with some tweaks. But I would say the general like vibe of it. The way you have characters you can switch between and they have like unlockable abilities and stuff like that. But the gameplay obviously is completely different. The actual mechanics of the game itself. No, no, no. There, there's still T-Rexes in a pandemic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's just a different thing. Uh, that game is Prospero Hall, right? Correct, yeah. Uh, they, I, I, And I think that's why I was... I'm disclosure. I'm terrified of dinosaurs. So when I saw it, I was like, I don't have nothing to do with this game. <laughs> you should be. I, uh, my dad brought me to see that movie in theaters when I was a kid. And let me tell you that did something to me. Like that terrifying. So when I saw the booth, I was like, I'm good. But then I saw the Prospero hall 
And I was like, they've been knocking it out of the park for me as far as games between the Goonies and the Fast and Furious game. So I was like, oh, this is, I'm excited for this. I think I'm really going to enjoy this game. And as I started looking at it, I was like, oh, well, just sign me up. Just send it to me. Like, let's go. Let's play this. <laughs> yeah, they really have done a, such a great job with licenses. And I think they they ride such a fine line between like making it mainstream accessible while still being interesting if you're mm-hmm. more of a deep gamer and the obviously the the licensing and all that stuff is always top notch so it, it's really cool to see this is definitely their biggest game as, as they said that they have ever done it's been in, in the works for a couple of years so far and we should we'll, that will be coming to kickstarter and should be having a fast turnaround at least that's what they're saying is that it'll be out before the end of the year next year Oh, awesome. So that will be pretty exciting to have for Legacy Group. So overall, I yeah, I think we all really had a good time at PAX Unplugged, it sounds like. it's It was a really cool show. And definitely, I mean, Gen, Gen Con is always more exciting to me. You know, that's where you get the, the really exciting new announcements and really hot brand new games that you get to play. But PAX is kind of the other side of that coin. It's 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 more laid back. I can kind of I can sleep a little longer. <laughs> uh, we don't have to drive as far to get there. That's a big plus. <laughs> uh, so uh, I it's it's it makes me very happy. I'm glad that I'm glad that it's finally back and we get to continue going to it. So that's pretty much the news. Maybe we'll touch more on some PAX unplugged stuff tangentially as the show goes on. Let's get to Kickstarters that are currently happening right now that may or may not involve blockchain. Oh, this one looks nice. It's nice. It's nice. nice. This one. Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Now then, each of us is going to talk about, I think, a project or two that's on Kickstarter or another crowdfunding site. As we've said before, the selection is getting slimmer and slimmer as the year dwindles down. Uh, Not as many high-profile projects are coming up there. But we'll start with you, Danny. Is there something either this week or maybe from a previous week that you're backing or that you're just particularly excited about or you think is interesting to discuss? So it was actually one that was on your list, the the Kenosa game or Kenosa. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, It is like an abstract puzzle game. It gave me very much like Santorini vibes with the the 1v1 kind of like well yeah defeat you the other player because it's 1v1 what else would you be doing um but it (laughs) but it's set in like um set out in the ocean you are sirens trying to allure like sailors into your zone um but what was really cool about it what i really liked is that all those pieces they're wooden pieces they're handmade um so there's little wooden pawns on the board it is a very simple square i think it's like a six by six box and the box is the board which is also another thing i'm a huge fan of um trying to like get the real estate down on the table especially if you don't have a lot of room um but you just go back and forth moving your pawn trying to collect sailors and while the theme on the surface like as i'm describing it you would think it's like this like grand beautiful like lots of art style game um in fact it's like super simple so it was like the wooden pieces the blue box um I find a lot of beauty and simplicity and I'm a big fan of puzzle games um, and especially ones I can travel with and just throw on the table if we like, let's say, go to a brewery. Um, So I was immediately intrigued by this and I'm also a 
big sucker for deluxe versions. Um, <laughs> and in this case, it is like this really cool wooden box. Um, so that's kind of been on my radar. I haven't smashed the back button yet. <laughs> um, but I'm also trying to be really good about Kickstarter because I am a person that if I see a Kickstarter, I will without hesitation, like just just back it and then forget about it. And then it'll show up in my door and be like, oh, I got that. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's that's always it's a it's a present to your future self. <laughs> oh, I love I, they're great. And but no, when the presents start coming in, I'm like, wow, past Danielle, like really needs to calm down like she needs <laughs> she needs to cool it like here's a message to future danielle um she doesn't listen either so i'm i'm trying to be a little bit better about my kickstarters yes welcome to kickstarters anonymous that's pretty much everyone <laughs> who shows up on this show and every time someone's like here's my pick and then the other people are like oh I'm going to back this now. I'm just over here silently pushing the back button while I'm talking. Sorry, guys. I got distracted. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. Uh, you, I mean, you're definitely speaking our language with, on this one. I know I love games that use the boxes as a component. I just think that's so neat. I don't know what it is, but it's fun. I, the theme, it just actually makes you laugh because in my head, often with monsters, like you never think of them as separate things. And now imagine like sirens on different things like, hey. That ship's mine. <laughs> and, like, it's just the, the arguments between them. The role play. You could turn this into a role playing game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. you're going to sing that tune, huh? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And it, it looks really cool. It's like these simple looking pawns, but this there's this ring system where you're transferring rings between the pieces. Uh, it, it looks like, especially the deluxe version, which is wooden, it makes me think of. The, the kind of game you would see in a fantasy world that they would invent that they play mm. like in, you know, Avatar, the last airbender or something. That's not a real game, but it, oh, it feels yeah. like it's been around for centuries somehow. <laughs> uh, it's, it's very, it's got a very cool look that way. So that's Kenosa. The uh, standard edition is just $29 or you can go all the way up to the deluxe edition, which is $125. They're only so, making 25 of those, I think. Oh, oh, you are right. Yes. Oh, there's only one left as of right now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> killing me. You, you better jump on it. I don't know. Just, just saying. I just want a nice wooden box with nice little pieces. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a tough, tough decision. Uh, Will, what about you? Anything this week, a, a specific pick you're excited about? Yeah, actually, there's one I'm very excited about. I was a little bit worried that I wouldn't be the one to say it. And that's the uh, new Vason RPG, the Mythic Britain in Ireland. Mm -hmm. uh, Vason was an RPG we actually did a video for. We did very little do for RPGs. And it's a system I really adored. I felt like it was a much... It feels... It, it takes place sort of uh, like old Europe. But I instead of playing, like I feel like when you play a lot of either horror RPGs where you're pretty much running from the monster versus, you know, D&D &D when you sort of become, it's a, almost just like I'm going to fireball everything. <laughs> it feels more in the middle. It's like almost your X-Files or like you need to investigate these things, find out how to deal with them, not yeah. simply just run or shoot. <laughs> and I thought that was... It, it feels like it, it rewards more of the lore of the world and knowing about it. And the fact that they're spreading out to other mythology, I just love the system, love the idea, love the art. So really yeah, it looks excited super to. Cool. 
Mm-hmm. Probably, the, uh, I would say one of if 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 there is an RPG I missed that we've been had very far behind, it's one of two. The other one also being Free League Publishing. I like Free League Publishing. They do some really good RPGs. No, oh, I mean that they are. They're awesome. <laughs> Every everything they put out has such a cool theme to it, and they usually use similar systems, so it's easy to move between one or the other. And yeah, the original Vasin was all Nordic mythologies. This is British and Irish. There's, they show off a leprechaun on the page. And yeah, it's it's fun. To, you try to you, you kind of learn something also about the folklore of different places and stuff that maybe you didn't realize was kind of part of the original lore of these creatures and how they use it and how you have to discover it and try to capture them or stop them or whatever it is you're doing. It's right. Really because neat. of D and D and video games, you know, usually just think, Oh, this has resistance to fire. Not <laughs> yeah. you need to wear your clothes backwards and walk three circles. <laughs> like it yeah. sounds silly, but I like, like it's more of a ritual, I guess, when dealing with these things. And also, like I said, not with some of them, not always uh, just the, aggressive like killing them yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so that that looks really cool and it's also it's also got a new mystery book so there's actually you know new adventures if you want to run your their adventures instead of making up your own uh Vason, mythic britain and ireland is up there that's definitely that's probably also the one i'm most excited about this week i'll also talk about there's one on here called the big shuffle which is a film noir card game. So I'm kind of a sucker for that theme usually. And it's a competitive game where you're playing a noir movie and everybody has their own personal agenda as to how they want the movie to go. So there's different scenes and you want to refresh those scene cards or maybe it's a certain character that appears or a certain event that occurs in the movie and you want to have them show up as, as to meet your personal specifications. And also those scenes have specific rules changes. So as the scene changes, something different will happen. Maybe you're drawing more cards or something like that. Uh, and uh, it, it looks cool. It has a, a cool style to it. I know, you know, the noir sort of look and feel is not anything particularly new or creative. It's kind of feels like almost a cheat a little bit to me. It's like, make it black and white. And then the, you add a splash of color and it, uh, it'll probably attract people like me to think it looks <laughs> neat. Uh, but uh, I, I think it sounds like kind of a fun, lighter gameplay style. I always enjoy, at least in a lighter game, the, the changing rules thing can be fun depending on how, you know, you don't, I don't know. You don't, don't always want it to get super chaotic, like flux or something where it's just insanity, <laughs> but a, a light layer of that on top can be pretty cool. And that one goes for $35 for this, again, the standard edition of the game. Uh, there's also one on GameFound this week, which literally just officially launched during the recording of this show. So I haven't mm-hmm. had a chance to really look too much at it, but I feel like it's going to be a, a big one. It's Ancient yes. Blood, The Order of it's, Vampire Hunters. It's been Hunters. 16 minutes and it's already raised 30000 30, And it's just going up. I'm watching that ticker go up right now. <laughs> I, I wanted to mention this one too, Jonathan, because yeah. this actually had, I don't know if they're re, this is a new edition of it or whether it's new expansion stuff for it, because I haven't looked in, but this actually had stuff made a Kickstarter, if I recall, and it has something way too similar uh, for Kickstarter when we started Roll for Crit. What What is that? Like, the, like I think this game, like, had a Kickstarter 
years ago. Oh, oh, I see. You're I'm uh, saying you're saying this exact game. And it's yeah, I, I yeah, I have no memory of it, <laughs> but I'll take your word for it. Well, I remember because I backed it. <laughs> <laughs> did you get it? <laughs> I did. Um, oh, okay. So you have. So you have this game. <laughs> I, had it. I, I gave it. I gave it away to um, a friend oh. who like paints a lot of minis and stuff because oh. it was just never hitting the table. So I love the evolution of this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? It's really new layers keep being revealed. Now's your chance to buy it again and not play this one. (laughs) So that'll be, that'll be cool. Uh, Yeah, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a cooperative vampire game. It's got a bunch of minis. I'm sure it's cool. Uh, Sometimes, you know, you look, I look at these games and I don't, it's hard for me to tell, is this actually cool or is it just really cool looking (laughs) and maybe it's complicated and, uh, involved and there's a campaign that we'll never finish. Uh, <laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah. I I do the same thing when I look at games like this. Like I'm a sucker for this theme, like totally. But like, how many miniature games can I own and yeah. play? <laughs> Honestly, at this point, if I see a game of this kind of scope, I almost immediately write it off personally, <laughs> unless it's really got a theme. That's really interesting to me personally. I It's just like, I know we're not going to play this game. <laughs> I just know we're never going to finish it or get it to the table. And it's $150. You and so. I are on the same page with that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I, I guess we're in the minority or just new people keep buying whatever the new one is and finding that as their personal version of this because they are always really successful. So I don't know what the deal is. Uh, any other uh, Kickstarter projects going on lately anyone wants to talk about or shall we move on? I guess. On uh, the, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say on the opposite end of that, um, I was checking out Bah Humbug, a 12 Days of Christmas bluffing oh, game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am not one for party games, but <sighs> I was looking at this and maybe it's the cute mouse or maybe it's just like the super original theme for a card game. So it is just a stack of cards numbered, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, one through 12, deal them out to all the players. And then starting with the first player, you count backwards, putting a card face down. And you basically have to say like 12 drummers drumming. And I have no idea what comes next. And I don't <laughs> know what any of the partridge in a pear tree, basically 12 <laughs> through one. You and you can call out someone for like basically not putting down the right card. And I think that's kind of hysterical for how jolly and like cute the theme is and the art. It just feels very like old Christmassy feeling, but it looks like it can get super savage. And it's a print and play right now. And it will like, I think their their goal is to make it a real game for next Christmas. But this is something I could see bringing to grandma's house and calling her out on not saying 12 drummers drumming and give her a lump <laughs> of coal. Like it just looks, it looks cute. It's not something I typically like would go after, but for the sake of playing games with the family and making a Christmas wreath of cards, I think it's kind of cute. And for $6, the price is right for me. Yeah. Uh, I I think your grandmother's going to go all in with your, your daughter and playing magic. They're going to (laughs) go pro circuit. (laughs) Grandma Janet is a savage. She likes playing control deck. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I Credit to this, uh, to Bah Humbug for having a holiday game that's will be technically available for that holiday. <laughs> I feel like so, so often it's like a Halloween game. You'll get it in May. You'll get it for Easter. <laughs> It'll yeah. be super thematic. No worries. 
Yeah, so that is cool. And it's, it looks very classical. I just want to know, why are the lords a-leaping? What's the deal with that? Do lords leap? Is that a thing? All right. Um, <laughs> Nobody knows. Where's this is... your boat, man? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's right. Uh, Will, it sound like you had one, too? Yeah. Uh, for those who like the more Euro game, I saw one on GameFound, trying to, the, the palaces of Carrara. I think I'm saying I'm butchering that. Oh, but yeah, I think that was... It's all about, like, yeah. gathering marble for specific cities, and it looked interesting. Yeah, so, so there you that's go. Your... Another another thing on GameFound, I think that was uh, one from last week that we missed. But, yeah, GameFound, as always, moving up. We'll see, I wonder if they'll start doing blockchain, if Kickstarter is good with it. Or maybe <laughs> the pro- they'll do I will the say... opposite. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> They're going to use Pony Express. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty good. All right, so we will have links to all these different Kickstarter or GameFound projects in the show notes. Check them out. See if you want to back them for yourself and join in our addiction that we have no hope of recovering from. But now I'm really excited because I think the meat of this show are really going to get to talking about the stuff that we have been playing in Table Talk. I don't know if I can Table Talk. Table Talk. Table Talk. There you go. That's all over now. We can talk about the games that we have been playing. For us, all of our games uh, are things that we experienced at PAX Unplugged. I don't know, uh, Danny, how much of your stuff was uh, at the show or maybe in weeks prior, but I would love to hear about everything you've been playing. Where do you want to start? Almost all of it, except for Lord of the Rings. I feel like that's just like a game I'm perpetually playing and will for the rest of my life because (laughs) I just love that game. And again, like going back to the how many adventure cooperative games with minis can you have? Like Lord of the Rings, Journeys of Middle Earth is that's it for me. I love Gloomhaven. Like that's a great experience, but something about Journeys of Middle Earth, it hits it hits a note. So like. I don't want to talk a ton about it because it's a game that's been out for a while. They're always releasing um, new expansions for it, but just the system of it. it well, first of all, it is it is an adventure game. Um, it's actually app supported. And what's nice about it is it, like in Gloomhaven where you have like monster turns that is completely supported by the app. So you don't have the person like scrambling to get wound tokens and manipulating things like the app just does it for you. So it is a completely chill, relaxed experience. It's something my husband and I play like Sunday morning. Let's make some coffee and, you know, go on this adventure and fight baddies and quest. It is it's everything I love in an RPG on my table like yeah so that's that that's just my pitch for journeys <laughs> yeah i i agree with you we're both big app proponent fans especially as uh, you mentioned with gloomhaven how everyone had turns mm-hmm. when we tried to play gloomhaven during the pandemic over camera i did everything oh no so <laughs> having, having something take care of it is very nice <laughs> it's so nice yeah this is one of our uh infamous campaign games that we haven't finished uh, but i do really really love it i'm curious have you it sounds like you've played it a fair bit have you guys been going through all the campaigns individually have you replayed any of the campaigns like brought in different expansion characters or anything like that so the the base game we got halfway through and we realized i feel like with those type of games where they're just very big um 
you always you're either playing a rule of wrong or you, you realize something halfway through so the base game got halfway and we're like all right scrap this let's start it over and so we started fresh and we just cruised through that but we have replayed that we did start on the next expansion and the name of it is completely eluding me wasn't the um, shadows one or yes something like one. that <laughs> um, we're almost done with that one and i think we're just going to continue through all of the campaigns and i i have no doubt that we'll go back and do it again him and i i don't know if you've ever played divinity um mm. my husband and i will play that over and over i think we played divinity 2 twice and the original one maybe three times wow so like this this is de definitely for us that's awesome yeah mm -hmm. that's that's very cool yeah i have yeah i i i love it i we i want to go back to i've been thinking about just yeah. doing a solo campaign just so i could make it happen <laughs> i mean uh, i will say at least i feel not as bad with that campaign mostly because that one did get killed because of the pandemic like oh, yeah. i feel like we've had some campaigns that just died <laughs> um but i i we, we mentioned it a while before because we talked about when we finally played descent one of the reasons we oh, love yeah. it is like this is more like the lord of the rings game yeah i'm curious have you tried the new version of descent because i found it was very similar to lord of the rings more more so than i expected it to be to the point where i almost was like does these do you need both of these games <laughs> like they're pretty <laughs> it's it's pretty close just without the lord of the rings theme so that game's been on my wish list, and now you're maybe taking it off my wish list. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say. I don't know. It's hard. It's it really depends on your appetite for these types of games. I mean, it certainly does things differently. It has the the way the terrain works is different, and the it, the combat is a little different. It kind of subs out instead of cards for the skill checks. You use dice. It's a little more dice heavy, but. There's also, I think, it looks like there's a crafting system because the app will be like, right. you find five silver bangles, like uh, yeah. some leather scraps. <laughs> yeah, cool. there is. There is a crafting system. So, uh, it, it, and, and the theme is, of course, different. But, yeah, it's a lot of the DNA is definitely shared. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I would definitely be interested to hear if, if you find, if you ever do play it, if you find it, like, complements it or you don't need it. <laughs> I'm we'll sure see. I'm sure that will find its way into my house eventually. <laughs> We've yeah. gone from like heavy competitive games like we would only ever play like Euros where we silently like compete against each other to can we just sit down and like have a good time like play some Lord of the Rings? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah. Cup of tea. Just just have some fun. Yep. Uh, now, I'm also excited because I, I see I think all the games on your list are games we're familiar with. And that doesn't always happen. <laughs> a lot of times a guest comes on and I'm like, I have no idea what uh, Spencer Dice 7 is. Uh, <laughs> that's the best I could come up with on short notice to improvise a fake game name. Uh, so uh, what are some of these other games? Are they Were they all first time plays or things you've returned to? All first time plays and all I'm super hot for. So awesome. I, I guess so. Cape May and Dinosaur World were two games I was actively seeking at PAX Unplugged. I knew I was very interested in them. And actually, I should include another one in there, Shards of Infinity. So those mm. were three games I was actively pursuing, I was looking for, I knew I would like them. Um, and I just wanted the opportunity to, you know, pick them up and sit down and play. Um, Shards of Infinity did not disappoint one bit. If, if you played Ascension, you like Ascension, you like deck building, 
um, that just seems like a new and improved version of it. Not that Ascension needed to be improved. Um, there were a little bit of nuances, especially with deck building where, you know, one person can kind of run away with it and you're like holding your five card hand and you're like, I don't know why I'm playing right now. Like you're just <laughs> winning and ripping through your deck. And how do you have so much money right now? Um, that <laughs> yeah. kind of takes away that, that, that kind of get, sorry, shards of infinity kind of gets rid of that. Um, we, we played that a ton while we were there, you know, just hanging out, like, let's just bang out a quick round of it. Um, but the one that really, really like Cape May, I knew I wanted to play it. I knew I was going to like it. I did not expect to like that game as much as I did. Um, so it's city, city building, engine building, economic. It felt like brass light. Like if, if brass had a lighter version with a Concordia card style system. And it, like when I say those things out loud, I go, I like both of those things a lot, which would explain why I really enjoyed Cape May. It, all of its glory even right down to the theme it, it felt different it felt fresh and i i was a little bit stunned at how much i enjoyed playing that game yeah yeah we didn't get the chance to play too, too much of it we just kind of got a sample of it uh gen con uh but but of course we're in new jersey so you know very near and dear to our hearts that theme mm-hmm. um and yeah it's a it's a neat little game from from what i've seen and and thunderworks games who we were talking about before they they put out really great stuff so they definitely do i'm glad to hear that you that you loved it it's just the um the satisfaction of so the the whole game is around building cottages and building businesses and managing your economy and you know upgrading those to bring in more income so it's just like the engine of it feels very satisfying. There's never a point there's, and there's like events that happen. So like your cottage might be in a zone that's on fire. So it's going to cost you more to upgrade. Like, even though there are the negative effects that are happening, there was never a point in the game where I was like, man, that feels really crummy. Like I, that, that didn't feel good. Um, if anything, it, it felt better when you were able to counteract anything like crummy that happened. And there was a lot of instances where, um, there's a lot of benefits that could come your way, like out of the blue. Like if it's in springtime and you have a Victorian gain an extra dollar and I'm like, hell yeah, I got three of those. So like I'm getting three more dollars. Um, it just, it was very satisfying and you get to go bird watching. Like there's like a little mini set collecting game where you collect sets of birds. And I'm like, it just, it, it feels very good. It, the dopamine drip, is is strong for that game <laughs> yeah i like i remember liking it because it, it's one of those games where there's like a lot for you to do mm-hmm. so usually it doesn't feel like there was the obvious or at least from what i could tell like oh i'm closed off well that's it i'm done it, yeah. it seems like there's plenty of different strategies you can like okay now i'll do the bird watching then if you're gonna go that way yeah and and when you're playing against someone too and, and i play a lot of games two players so in a higher player count this might be different but he was kind of doing his thing. I was doing mine. Like his turns didn't really negatively impact me. There were some instances where I had to, you know, switch it up on the fly, but it was never like, Oh, damn you. Why did you do that? I wanted to do that. Like you totally threw a cog in my wheel, which I'm a big fan of if we're playing competitively, like I'm not trying to, you know, make him have a bad time and I don't really want to cry playing a board game. So that game, you know, bridges the gap there where it's competitive, but you're also not at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then the other one, Dinosaur World. I feel like that's such a big game to explain. <laughs> um, so I haven't played Dinosaur Island. Um, and everyone I talked to about Dinosaur World uh, was like, wow, this is this is a way, way better version. And again, I'm not a big dinosaur fan. You know, the T-Rex in the box kind of like makes my heart palpitate a little bit, but it's all right. Um, but just like the table presence of this game. Um, and again, there's so many things you can do. Like the analysis paralysis, I can see being a factor in this game. Um, but it, it is so satisfying to drive that Jeep around from hex to hex and make dinosaurs. I had my Raptor eating people like it was no one's business. But <laughs> it, man, I'm just so satisfied with the games I played this weekend. It was, uh, it was real good. So I, um, I do like, I think Dinosaur World's going to be like our most talked about game this year on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people keep bringing it up. I just got to say full disclosure, um, uh, for about 15 seconds just now, I lost connection to the Zencaster website. <laughs> and, <Uh-oh. laughs> um, I'm not sure how it will affect uh, the record. Everything is recorded. Everything is good. But uh, I, there was like 10 seconds where I went, can anybody hear me? And I heard you talking about Cape May and then it transitioned to dinosaurs eating people. And <laughs> I, I was a little the bit The crossover lost. we need. <laughs> I was a little bit lost, but uh, now I get it. We went on a dinosaur world, but I, everything should be good now. That, that usually doesn't happen but <laughs> you didn't know the next jurassic park movie is going to be in new jersey <laughs> hey yeah, that would be it could be i wonder <laughs> they're loose now they're loose in, in the united states all right um that is absolutely terrifying to think about <laughs> <laughs> so did i did i miss anything else did you talk about cubitos or mechanic again no no but we can segue right into perfect cubitos is it cubitos? oh yeah cubitos? i you've got to tell us because i don't know i <laughs> <laughs> but that's cubes, I, dice, yeah. cube, cube, cubitos. Um, we played four rounds of this game last night. Four. All right. I could not stop throwing dice down my dice tower. Like it was coming in hot. So deck builders, I love deck builders. So my transition from the video game world to the board game world was through magic. So the natural progression was deck builders and now it's blossomed into this big board game obsession. So a dice builder, boy, boy, is it fun and buying like little thematic, like cat dice that give you movement and then cheese dice that let you (laughs) roll more. Like it is man. It feels it feels good. So you're racing around the track. Have you played Cubitos? We Cubitos? have. Yeah, yeah, we 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 did, uh, did a review for it. Yeah, very fun. Uh, just racing around the track. Um, I was behind. I lost every game, but I was not angry with it. I did have a good <laughs> comeback, game three. But then he ended up getting twenty. It was my husband ended up getting twenty four movement. Oh man! <laughs> just took off. Just like drafted me, and then. Dude gunned it and it, that was it did you just get a bunch of those dinosaur dice because i remember those were like like it's risky but you can get a huge boost and he just rolled like perfect yes so <laughs> he had two dinosaur dice and then he had the one cheese that gives you movement based off like where you are on the track and he was at maximum so he just he was gone like there was no hope i didn't even like take my turn i was like there's no way i'm getting 24 or even close to that movement but was I angry? Absolutely not. Not even a little bit. I said, let's play again. <laughs> Good. That, that's what uh, you like. Yeah. 
I, I would love for someone who doesn't who just jumps in randomly in a conversation like that, like, yeah, you know, he had like two cheeses, a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the, the and one extra, really extra one normal. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Some regular dice. Some regular dice. Um, and so I guess to wrap up my my table talk, and this is one I'm like super excited to talk about because I'm I'm considering this like my hidden gem of Pax Unplugged um mechanica it's from resonim i don't know if you've had a chance to play it oh yeah Um, but it is an engine builder where you're running a factory um you are generating robots and you're selling robots to make a profit and the person with the most money at the end of the game wins um but the whole premise of the game is you're buying improvements for your factory to upgrade your robots as they move throughout the conveyor belts um, in this game felt very similar to Factorio, which I've spent many Sundays playing like 18 hour stretches of that game and just making little robot upgrades, splitting them, downgrading them all to make sure that like your trucks are filled to make the most profit is I just love touching and making bips and bops and boops. And <laughs> the bet. And again, this is one of those games where the board is the box. So as you're breaking down and putting away one game, you're actually setting up your next game. Um, I I love that idea because sometimes it gets very overwhelming when you have a big game, the table presence is huge, the setup and breakdown takes just as long as the gameplay. Um, I love playing those games, but on a Thursday night after work, that's not always my cup of tea. So this is one of those games where it's a thinker. It's definitely a thinker, heavy on the strategy without, you know, the cost of time to get it set up and to get it played. Um, I was thoroughly impressed. The moment I sat down with that game and I had no prior knowledge to it, I just looked at the person who was giving me the demo and I was like, I love this game. I absolutely, I absolutely love it. Um, Played it again yesterday in just the different strategies you can take to get your robots through all the machines. Um, it is very cool. It's very cool. And it's one I think I can play with my kids too. And it just, it develops a lot of cool soft skills, like just general planning and thinking ahead. Um, I think it's one that will stay on my shelf for a pretty long time. Yeah, we, uh, we have played Mechanica and another game that uses the box as a primary aspect of it and it's very clever such a clever game really cute little pieces so much fun to take things in and out of the box like you got your own little personal robot factory going on uh Resonim is another one of these companies they i don't know that they've missed for us they they just make so many cool little games and we they did have a new one there we didn't get the chance to play but i'm really excited about phantom inc oh i I got a chance to check it out. Um, I think they said it's going to be available early next year. Um, but as far as like word party games, I, I see that, you know, doing really well in the board game community and to people outside of the community. It just seems like it's a very clever take on a word party game. Yeah, which is my bread and butter. So I'm... <laughs> I'm all over that. Yeah, February says so February 2022. So yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely recommend Mechanic. I definitely agree with you that that qualifies for the hidden gem status. It's it's a game more people should try out. Mm-hmm. All right. So what what would if you had to pick a game of show? What was your favorite thing? Oh, my favorite thing. I want to say it was Mechanic. I think 
because it was something so new to me. I had no expectations. It's followed up close with Cape May, though, because that that checks all the boxes of games, things I like in a game. I think Mechanica pulls through for me because I had no idea it even existed. And for like something to come out of the gate that strong and just like shock me, it's like, damn. All right. This is this is what's up, Resonim. I'm here. I see you. Like I checked out their other games while I was at the booth, which all when I was done talking to them, I was like, wow, who who are you? And then they're also local to me. So I was like, I'm embarrassed. I've never heard of you before. This is this is wonderful. Like I'm so happy to be sitting here and talking with you about your games. Like this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh visitor in Blackwood Grove, another cool one they do. That's mm-hmm. got a guessing party kind of a theme. So uh, like we said, Will and I also played a fair number of games from that old games library. Some some new, some old, some hot, some old and busted. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. The one that I, one of the big ones that I was trying to seek out that I gravitated towards was Cryo, another game from this year we had heard talk about from Z-Man Games, which is about uh, everybody is a part of the crew of a spaceship and you've crash landed on a planet. I could be getting some of these details wrong, but you each have your own crew members that you would prefer to rescue before anyone else's. And you're trying to get the most points by getting your crew members back and then sending them out to explore these caverns. And ultimately where your points are going to come from is from getting area control, having the most people on these caverns. You could also get some personal goals as well that will change. And it's a worker placement game. So everybody has these little drones and you send the drone out to an area of the board and there's different actions. A lot of them are just giving you resources. Uh, Some of them will allow you to, again, rescue your crew or maybe send your crew out to those caverns. The kind of the twist of it is that as you go, you can upgrade your personal board with tokens that make your own board have unique actions on it. Again, like getting a resource or something or paying a certain resource in exchange for a different resource. And when you recall your drones from the board, if you place them on the spots you've upgraded with actions, you then get to do those actions. So it's kind of an engine building game where as the game goes on, you have more actions. And every time you bring your drones back, you get to do more stuff with them. I, I really liked this game. I, we played it uh, two-player. Uh, Will didn't get the chance to, to play it, but I do think it was a, a really solid worker placement experience. My only concern, and I think this is one of those things where if, you're, if you get better at the game, hopefully this goes away, but it, it had this experience that I've had in other games before. Again, I think it's because I'm bad at them, where towards the last few turns of the game... It just kind of feels like a lot A lot of the actions you can take in Cryo are about setting up for future turns. So it's like, I need to get a resource so that I can do this thing next time. And the last like couple rounds of the game just kind of felt like, is it even worth trying to set anything up? Because it doesn't seem like I'm going to have enough time to be able to do that thing. So it almost felt like, should the game just end now? I don't know. It's kind of anticlimactic, but I get like, maybe if I were better at it, I would have had things set up in advance. So I would have more things popping off at the end, but it's kind of a neat, cute little theme. It's got some fun little drone components. I I really liked cryo. I definitely want to try uh, playing it again. 
Yeah, I would like yeah. to actually try it as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd love to give you that chance. The other, I, the other, I think, real big new hot one from this year that we got the chance to try, both of us, was Seven Wonders Architects, mm. which mm-hmm. is the brand new kind of spinoff, lighter adaptation of Seven Wonders. This one's not a drafting game per se. Everybody has a deck of cards and you place decks in between players and on your turn, you can draw one from the deck to your left or right, or you can take one from a center deck in the middle and the ones from the decks to your left and right are face up and the middle one is face down. So you can choose to gamble or go for something that's a shared deck between players that you know you want. And just like Seven Wonders, you're collecting resources and getting points and all this stuff and you're trying to build your wonder, but it's much simpler than that uh you are spending the resource cards as you get them so there's not as really as much of an engine building aspect you're just kind of getting stuff and then spending it and building a wonder and it's a race to build your wonder whoever builds their wonder first uh the game ends after that person's turn and they'll probably get a, a decent point boost as well you'll get points and things for building each level of your wonder and every i think there's like seven different factions or civilizations like maybe they call them in the game and each one has its own different wonder shape with its own different powers and abilities and stuff like that i thought it was pretty fun we had a we're gonna have a youtube video too talking about this one but it's it's a neat little little version of seven wonders i don't know if anybody is you know a hardcore gamer who's played seven wonders it's probably not the kind of thing you're going to be rushing out and excited about playing because it is just kind of that but different <laughs> in a way and, and much more and much lighter but i had fun playing it so i don't know i can't really complain too much will i think you're oh yeah go ahead yeah i mean like i said in the video i feel like it's streamlined but it doesn't feel like it's a replacement of seven wonders because it really isn't drafting and there's a bit more of a race and but it still keeps the elements of like looking at your neighbors but you pay more attention to the other people uh i was pretty happy with it like it didn't i don't think it disappointed at all and think it would uh, survive with all all of the other two versions of seven wonders and seven wonders duel on your shelf yeah danny are you a, a seven wonders fanatic is this one on your radar <laughs> yeah so seven wonders was one of the first games we bought And I find when we bust Seven Wonders out with a group of friends that are like, they want to dabble into board games, but they're not like too keen on the heavier stuff. I find that they're not super into the game. Like they play it, but like, I I always get feedback like that game's really hard. That game's really complicated. And I think Seven Wonders Architects is going to be perfect for that game group. Um, I think it eliminates a lot of the the choices that they find difficult to make or like not really like comprehend in this definitely has a place. This is another one that I can probably bring to grandma's house on Christmas and quickly show them. And I am always looking for games like that because my family's always asking, like, when are you going to teach us the game? Um, so I think I think this perfectly fits that bill. Is this something I'm going to, you know sit down on a Sunday morning and go, Hey, let's play seven wonders architects. Probably not. Um, but it's definitely, definitely has its place. Um, maybe a late night game, like one of those, like it's 1230. It's kind of late. You're still wanting to keep playing, but let's keep it simple. I can see it, you know, fitting in there, but I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It's clever. 
I definitely agree. I think because partially it's going to have the symbols. So they'll now know like, okay, those are resource symbols. That's this. Mm -hmm. I feel seven wonders is, it's definitely great going broad. Like if someone has played magic and you're trying to get them the board games, cause they've done drafting before. I'm like, look, now you can just draft without having to memorize a new set. Yep. But if you've never done drafting before and sushi goes probably the easier way to teach it, there's going to be a lot of that not knowing about picking, looking at the people around you, seeing what they're picking. So I can feel like it takes that pressure off. It's funny how those skills that we just inherently know and just don't even think twice about, like, comes so difficult to others because we'll be sitting and I and I have to, like, ground myself a little bit and be like, all right, they don't know what drafting is. Like, that word doesn't even make sense to them. Like, let's just take it back a little bit. So, yeah, I'd agree. This is this is perfect for that. Yeah, it is interesting. I always I, like in my head, I'm like Seven Wonders. That's a gateway game. It's 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 simple. It's a it's a lighter game, but it is true. If you're not in that world, some of those decisions can be tricky. And yeah, I think Architect is the perfect middle ground of that uh, for new players. So that was uh, one of the new ones we played. We also grabbed one that uh, I hadn't heard of before, but caught will's eye i'm gonna try to pronounce it it's a german word i want to say it's pronounced lagerstaten i don't know there's an umlaut above the a i'm not 100 percent sure how you're supposed to say it but it is a dinosaur fossil game where everyone is i guess we're paleontologists is that the premise of it yeah we're paleontologists and you're pretty much just trying to gain funding research that's what the victory points are and you try to do in eight rounds. I saw it because it looked like a weird abstract box. And I love dinosaurs. So when I saw it, I'm like, ooh, this would be something weird and interesting. It's not like the dinosaur game everyone's talking about. Yeah, it's not and Dinosaur World. <laughs> <laughs> the way it works is pretty much there. You have four assistants, workers, to place throughout a board. And you can either dig in sites, donate fossils, or pretty much assemble them for points. And the digging part is sort of drafting, like depending on the number of workers that you pull from the top of the deck, but the deck's always designed to have like Cretaceous cards on top, then Jurassic, then Jurassic. And you can only hold six fossil cards at the beginning. So it sort of just became a who's lucky enough to draw that last piece of the Triceratops first and assemble it. Yeah, it's it's essentially a set collection game. Each each fossil has like two or three or i think maybe there's a couple big ones that have four cards that you need to complete them and so you have to first go to the worker spot to draw the cards that you want then you have to go to a different spot that lets you flip the cards over so that you can actually use them and then there's two different places where you can trade those cards in if they're complete for for points depending on how you do it and the 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 board itself is just like gray <laughs> like there's no the only art in this game is some fossils dinosaur skeletons on those little cards otherwise it's it's one of the most drab uninteresting looking games i've ever seen in my life um but i was like you know i don't know that's maybe it's there's an interesting gameplay and at first i think we were all like we're kind of giving this a benefit of the doubt see how it goes and yeah it really devolved into just like well i didn't get that dinosaur and the same thing, I guess I was talking about with cryo, but emphasized even more by the end of the game. It was like, there's no, I mean, <laughs> we were playing. It felt like every, because of the hand limit, almost every yeah. other turn you lost. Yeah. You had to build up, you had to spend some, find a way to get rid of your cards. Cause if you had your full 
limit, you can't get any more. But if none of your cards match, then it just feels like you're you're dead in the water. Uh, not it was not a great game. <laughs> we didn't have a great time with it, but it was interesting. Uh, interesting. Uh, the the box design was kind of neat. <laughs> That's really the highlight of it. I it think it was neat. Yeah, really making me run out there and get it. <laughs> yeah, this is from like 2017. I think I looked it up, and I, I don't know how widely available it is, but yeah, it it felt like a, a game that maybe like we would have played when we first learned about board games, and be like, oh, this is what worker placement is, or something, and maybe would have had nostalgia for that reason, but it didn't have any of that for us, so. It just kind of fell flat, unfortunately. That was uh, Lager State. It's a Japanese game also. A Japanese-designed game with a German title, which still confuses me. I would have never guessed that this game is about dinosaurs, but now looking up the meaning of the word, veins of rock rich in fossils, no, makes sense. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. Which I guess is a thing that people, paleontologists, maybe know. I don't know. <laughs> We're not um, in the know. <laughs> no, unfortunately. Uh, we also played uh, a roll and write. In fact, we were we just talked about this. I think it was on a Patreon podcast. But there's a roll and write game based on pinball. It is called Super Skill Pinball 4K. I'm not sure if there's different versions of this. I don't know why there's a. There are the one. Okay, the one that we played was like their new set of tables. Okay, was did we play 4K? uh i think i don't think it doesn't matter it's fine (laughs) it's a roll and write game again super skill pinball and essentially it mimics a pinball machine everybody has a dry erase board that looks like a pinball machine with crazy bumpers and flippers and all these places you can bounce your ball to and you each round roll some dice and you get to choose one of two numbers there's d6s so if it was like a four and a five you would either take the four or the five and there's different places on your mat to cross out one of those numbers and every section of the zone of the board that you're in has some kind of a different rule set so maybe if you cross out all the numbers in this section you get a point bonus maybe if you cross these ones out in a certain order you get a point bonus and you're gradually moving your pinball which is like a little metallic object that actually simulates a pinball on your board down to the flipper area cross off a number and then it will shoot you up to a different part of the board <laughs> so a pretty neat uh concept uh and i'm not like a huge pinball head but i think it's a, a cool a cool idea for a game there was a bit of a learning curve in trying to figure out exactly how everything worked and what everything did but i think once we wrapped our heads around around it i, I had a fun time i think this one was also neat <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, the one we played was ramp it up ramp it up and i we did look a little we only played with the what i assume what they suggested because it's just on their learn to play one board but the other ones have like unique rules like one's actually supposed to be team battle one actually is a heist so it takes less turns you're a bit more time and i i will say i feel like this would be an amazing single player game Mm. from my experience it's because there wasn't really interaction between us. Like, I, I guess at the end we could compare scores, but I don't. I don't feel like this would be the kind of game. Like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm gonna put something on the TV, do this, <laughs> which I feel like last. is that's pretty standard for a roll and write, isn't it? I mean, that's that's almost what uh, well, I. Expect. I guess the, the difference is this. This one has like a playtime of 45 minutes. Yeah, like, I feel like true. <laughs> a lot of roll and writes might be 10 minutes, so it's sort of fun. Like, okay, how'd you do? You know, when you compare it that way, because mm-hmm. you can investment. keep going. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I, I don't mind time investments if it's just like, it's just me. I can roll the dice. And also, especially you, uh, you experience it, Jonathan, when you get multi-ball, you have to assign <laughs> yeah. a, a die to each of them. And this way, if you're playing by yourself, you can just take the die, be like, this one's going to that one. See, to help remember. Yeah, at one point I unlocked, so I had, I had two pinballs rolling around. And it was, it did get a little confusing for me trying to remember, like, did I move that pinball yet? Also, it doubled my score, and I felt like my score just rocketed up. That's uh, good, yeah, yeah. But I was like, am I, I felt like I was cheating or something. I'm like, did I do something wrong? I shouldn't be getting this many points right now. Uh, but it, it was neat. There's, there also the boards are like very busy to look at, like a real pinball machine. There's a lot going on, but it's a pretty cool idea. I, I don't know. Uh, Danny, ever do, I don't know, does the idea of a pinball rolling right sound interesting to you? Or what about, what's your take on solo games too, I wonder? So someone actually recommended this game to me this weekend. Um, We went to a pinball arcade in Gen Con, the group of people that we were with, and I am not in the pinball. I mean, I can get down with pinball, but I'm not, you know, an enthusiast. I'm not, you know, (laughs) repairing machines and like looking up deals online. But we were we were joking about how pinball would be fun. They were like, "Hey, by the way, there's a roll and write." It's like that'd be pretty cool. I'm not super into roll and writes, but again, I think it would be in the neat category. They'd be neat to play. <laughs> like, sure, I'd give it a go if you throw it on the table. Yeah. Um, but solo games, I've I have a confession to make. <laughs> I'm not a big solo board game person. Um. If I have an opportunity to play a game by myself, I'm probably just going to pop on my PC. Um, My husband, Mm. on the other hand, completely different story. Like he's been playing Cloud Spire by himself. And I think he's like 30 hours deep. And that is the only game that has consumed our gaming table for the past month. But when it comes time for like solo games, I would much rather, you know, go off in the corner, boot up my PC. I play a ton of deck builders on Steam. Um, that's kind of that's kind of my solo experience. Um, I yeah. hate to sound like a Scrooge McDuck when it comes to that, but there's <laughs> something about playing board games by yourself just seems kind of like not very fun to me. Yeah, no, that's it's definitely I, I do love them, but often I find I love the idea of them, but yep. then when the time comes, it is it's a commitment. You have to say like, I'm not going to sit down and set up a thing. As opposed to just like you said, a video game, I just sit on the couch, press a button, I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it definitely, it, you have to be really in the mindset of like, I'm, I'm getting ready to do this. This will be fun. <laughs> but yeah, when, when, it, when they hit right, when they hit right, then, it, then it's good. There's been a couple that have hit really right for me. Um, I don't know if you ever played Warp's Edge. It's a space oh, yeah. game. Yeah, the Bag that. Builder. I That game hit really well for me and it's funny because we buy solo games mostly because my husband likes to play them but i we like playing them together like we'll sit down and we'll strategize together Mm. like it's oh we do everything together this sounds so stupid (laughs) i realize that's all i've been talking about we just play (laughs) games together um but that and under falling skies were the two solo games that really (laughs) struck a chord for me yeah, I feel like both of those came out like around the same time, and we we like both of those games too. They're, and they have similar sort of themes. 
I love space games. I'm a sucker for space. <laughs> and, you know, you say like you've been talking about all the time, like, no, that's what I think we all hope for. That's the whole part. Yeah. It, when, we love dating it. profile should just be for a lot of us should just be like, are you willing to sit at a table for 12 hours? Pretty look much. Look at cardboard. So I think the peak of our relationship was we sat down and played the whole Rise of Fenris campaign in one day and we didn't hate each other at the end of it. I was like, this is how you know this relationship is going to last. And here we are 14 years in a relationship. I'm like, nothing's bringing us down after that campaign. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's the true test right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So that was Super Scope Pinball. The one game I have to mention before we get out of table talk, because it was, I think it's my game of the show from PAX Unplugged. Uh, it's a game that came out in 2015 that I discovered because there were uh, at least four copies of it sitting in the PAX Games library. And this game is called Hundreds of Horses. And I picked it up as a joke because, uh, I mean, <laughs> to give you a, a sense of what it looks it's a it just has a photograph of a horse on the cover. And it says it's like it's a horse storytelling game, clearly designed for small children. It's like a, it says six and up. It's it's for little girls basically who love horses is kind of the demographic. That cover is incredible. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, how could you say no to that game? I wouldn't be able to. I don't blame you for picking this up. So the way the game works, it's actually, it's sort of like a, a Dixit style or there's other games sort of in this genre where you have four photographs of horses on the table. And on your turn, you roll a die and it will tell you to do something with a card. So you'll either read a word or there's a horse award or it might be a story about a horse. And everyone has to secretly vote on which horse they think matches that thing. So it might be an award for most fidgety or best smile. <laughs> or maybe it's a story about Valentina, the horse who's struggling with their a certain move for the upcoming horse show. And you, if you match somebody else, you get a point token, which has between one and three apples on it. And apples are your points. <laughs> and so you're trying to be in sync with the other players. And that's all it is. And you go around and it's it's it sounds very simple and very dumb. But there's something to me about the photos of these horses and just the general vibe of these cards that's so... Like, it's just so clearly in love with horses. <laughs> I did not expect the cards to have real images of horses on them. Like this, I'm uh, looking at this one. It has a cowboy hat. Like, yes. what, like what the design choice of this game is incredible. Yes. I, I think Jonathan also rigged the game somehow, because I swear, like, you, you can refresh the pictures, depending <laughs> on what happens. And then, like, one came out where there's these two horses making very silly, smiling faces. And the first thing we were judging is best smile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I kind of, I mean, I, I don't believe this game is in circulation right now. I am going to go look on eBay and, and find a copy. There are we some need out to there. make this happen. We, it needs to come back. I genuinely, like, it sounds dumb. And it is, I mean, a big reason to play this game is for the ironic silliness of it. And maybe if you're a little drunk or something, but I do think it's not actually a bad game. Like it, it's not anything terribly ambitious or creative. Like I said, it's, it's that sort of Dixit thing, or it feels kind of like a Jackbox party game or something, albeit themed all around horses. Uh, but like, it's an okay party game that just happens to, to be hilarious to me. Uh, I just want to point out that on the uh, the 
the uh, Board Game Geek page. First of all, it's rated a 7.8. That's what I was just going to say. I was like, look at the rating on this game. (laughs) Second, I just scrolled down to fans also like and blood on the clock towers there. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. That makes sense to me. Perfect sense. So I've spread the good word. Hundreds of horses. I think we need to bring this game back. We need expansions for this game. Also, my one of my favorite things about it is that there are 100 double-sided horse cards. So they literally meet the requirements of the title just by the bare minimum. <laughs> Hundreds the, of horses. The horses, they're gorgeous. All of them, they're so gorgeous. <laughs> they, really, they really are. All right. That's everything that we got to play at PAX Unplugged or otherwise. A lot of fun games in there. Before we end the show, I do have something special for you. We're going to play a board game game. Now. This will be another one of these uh, game guessing style games. But in honor of the, our scientists that we have on the show this week, you know what's real important about science is all the uh, chemical compounds made up of elements, right? Right? That's right. the thing? Right. Uh-huh. Exactly. So this week's board game game is called Cardboard Compounds. And here's oh, how I thought we were doing organic chemistry or something. No, here's no. how it's going to work <laughs> is I'm going to list some elements of a game, namely in the form of mechanics, without giving anything else away, it is your jobs to try to guess the game that I am mentioning mechanisms from. And I will be reading them in order, alphabetical order as they are listed on their Board Game Geek entries. Does this make sense? Is everyone on board with this concept? I think so. I yes. think I need to hear it first. <laughs> yeah, I'm, little... I'm going to name mechanics and you try to guess what game I'm talking about. That's it. That's all there is to it. Uh, if you're real stuck, maybe we'll move over to uh, the categories as well. Now, they're going to get harder as they go on. There's going to be fewer mechanisms as we go. So you'll have to try to narrow in, see if you can guess what these games are. All right. First one, you feel free to shout out answers at any time. You don't have to wait for Yahtzee. all of them to finish. Oh, that's, that's a good not first it. guess. See how uh, see, the earlier you guess, I suppose, the more impressed I'll be. All right. Card drafting. Deck, bag, and pool building. End game bonuses. Movement points. Player elimination. Point-to-point movement, push your luck, variable setup. You got me stumped with the bag building, because all you can think about is quacks. Like quacks, I'm thinking like also um, the solo game you just mentioned that I'm also blanking now. I will will point out this. Board Game Geek has one catch-all listing for deck bag and pool building that could be one or more of oh those so it could be d all of the <laughs> above or just one yes but drafting and player elimination i feel like that's got to be where i in fact i'll just narrow it down for you deck building ascension <laughs> not ascension push your luck oh oh is this uh star realms not no. star realms doesn't have drafting you said drafting, right? I did say drafting. Card okay. drafting, player elimination. I would not say drafting is the primary component of this game, hmm. uh, but it is a feature. Also, a big one to, to think about is Clank. Clank. Yes, it is Clank. Yes. Oh, you die at the end. <laughs> That's right. And point-to-point movement, you're moving around the board. All right. 
point for Danny. I feel so. good there. That was a good one. All right, team, <laughs> let's go. All right, now now that was the warm up. Now now you're gonna have the rest of these. Here we go. Oh, that was the easy one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We'll see. Next up, dice rolling. Mm-hmm. I know that narrows it down so far. <laughs> Events, memory, mm. real time, relative movement. Space Cadets? Not Space Cadets. Team-based game. I'm actually, is it? It's a team-based game? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> uh, tile placement. Track movement. Real Memory, time. real-time tile placement. Galaxy Trucker? Galaxy Trucker, yes. That's the <laughs> answer for that one. All right. Each got one. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Don't worry. We got more. Communication limits. Cooperative game. The crew. Hanabi. No, no, no right answer so far. Dice rolling. Oh. Hand management. Player elimination. Semi-cooperative game. <laughs> Set collection. Team-based game. Trader game. <laughs> Variable player powers. Shadows over Camelot? I'm going to just say Battlestar. Shadows over Camelot Uh, was the answer. Woo! But yes, I probably could describe Battlestar as well. (laughs) Well, that's just the first trader game I could think of. I don't think there's dice rolling in it, though. Um, You know, you roll dice to attack the ships for damage. You're right. You're right. Yeah. There you go. All right. We're going to get a little trickier. Here we go. I know this is exciting. Hold on to your seats. I'm ready. Area majority slash influence, area movement, negotiation, root, not root, player elimination, prisoner's dilemma. What? Onk? Not onk. (laughs) Simultaneous action selection. Those are all, those are the mechanisms. It is not Kemet. No. Uh, Again, area in majority slash influence negotiation prisoner dilemma prisoner yeah that's dilemma. definitely going to be architects no, no no that doesn't fit the other ones it is um uh, here I'll I'll read some of the categories see if that helps bluffing political war game diplomacy diplomacy is the answer oh. <laughs> I'm so glad I've never. I said that more as a joke. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know how diplomacy's played. I'm just like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. But but you got there. All right. Now we've got the real tricky ones. So it's going to get short and simple here. Next game, hand management, trick taking. Crew, (laughs) not the crew. I was like, that's way too easy. (laughs) I'll give you a category. But it might give it away. So you got to ha- really have hands on your buzzers for this one. <laughs> Animals. I'm not a trick taker. So <laughs> this one's going to stump me. Hand management, trick taking. Animals. Card game. Um, Fantasy. Oh, God. Oh. Fantastic. I feel like it's going to be, this is something I'm going to feel really silly for not r- recognizing. I'll give you this as well. It's a two-player only game. 
What? It's not Camel Up, is it? Not Camel Up. I mean, um, oh my, Jaipur. Nope, not Jaipur. Okay. <laughs> Two-player only. Two-player Two only player. trick-taking game with hand management and animals. <laughs> it and was yes. I literally have no idea. <laughs> I've stumped. <laughs> not it. even the slightest. Shall I give it away? All right, what's it? What uh, what what do we got? The Fox in the Forest. Oh. I've actually never played that game. All right, so I don't oh. I don't feel that bad. <laughs> I've played the cooperative one, and it didn't end up well. <laughs> the person <laughs> I, I tried to play with my father, and he couldn't understand working together. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough concept for for me too. All right, last one. Here's your chance to to come out strong. Another another quick one. Yahtzee mechanisms. Roll slash spin and move and simulation. The game of life. That's it. The game of life. Really? <laughs> yep. <you got> it. <laughs> That's amazing. That's all you need. You spin a thing. It simulates life. What, do you, what else do you want? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one of the best ones. Simulating. Like, look, I'm doing the making the right choices and I'm happy and I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah. When's the last time we all played life? today <laughs> Every day. yeah yeah it's more like life has played me <laughs> very very true all too true danny i'm so glad that you were our guest this week it's been a lot of fun talking to you of course you earned some experience points for all the hard work that you put in and the effort you put in boosting up our show and you get to spend those points right now by letting everyone listening know how they can follow you on the internet Oh, I love XP. It's my favorite part of games. Um, so you can follow me on all platforms at Danny underscore Standring. I recently had a life rebrand and we moved away from my previous name, DMAX. And so you can find me easily anywhere you go at Danny underscore Standring. All right. We will put links to that stuff in the description. Definitely check out. I, you're, you're, the, you're the board game queen of TikTok. That's what I call you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take a little bit of a confidence boost today. Yeah, put that on your put that on your profile. <laughs> on my resume. Uh, go check all that stuff out. Thank you again for hanging out with us, and thanks Good to our listeners. Me. Yes, and of course, if you want uh, roll for crit stuff, you can find all that at rollforcrit.com. You can support us on Patreon if you want. Uh, check out our Discord server, bonus podcast episodes. Uh, you can submit questions or comments to us if you got anything you want us to talk about. Send them to our address, Meeple Gallery gmail.com you can join the meeple gallery and of course we've got more uh, pack stuff more some more videos we're talking about some interviews coming out on our channel this week so stay tuned for that but otherwise that's it hope you're all having a good week my name is jonathan i'm will and this has been roll for crit bye everybody okay.